0: The following is an archival presentation of The Sands of Time, hosted by Joyce Johnson. Before her passing in 2014, Joyce spent more than 25 years recording interviews with her fascinating neighbors. WOMR is committed to preserving this archive and sharing it with our listeners. Some of the material has become dated, but it remains as interesting and vital as ever.
1: This is George Johnson with The Sands of Time, a program of oral history in which we interview our fascinating neighbors. And this afternoon, we are in the home of the studio of Romanus Risk, who is a well-known and long-time painter in Provincetown. In fact, uh, uh, you've been here ever since I remember, and that goes back a while. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Tell me, Uh, uh, when did you come, Ray? Well,
0: I arrived in Provincetown in 1949 uh... the year after Sal had come to Provincetown. That's how I I found Provincetown, since we we're both from uh, Rhode Island, from Providence. And uh, we, uh, we went to Vespa George together uh, in Boston. I say together we commuted on the same train and uh, we knew each other from the same high school. And when I came back from the Army uh, we were commuting to Boston. Uh, You want to know what inspired me to come here? Sure. Well, I uh, I was in the same painting class with Sal, but Sal was in school a year before me because I'd been in the army. But we were in the same painting class, and uh, I noticed that uh, Sal painted differently from everybody else in the class. They all were painting according to what Mister Schmidt was uh, teaching them, but he wasn't painting that way. So I said. Sal, how come you don't paint like everybody else in the class? And he said, well, I'm studying with uh, someone in Provincetown, Henry Henchy. And uh, this is wh- the way he's teaching us to paint. And this is what I'm doing here as well. Of course, Mr. Schmidt didn't appreciate this. And uh, Mr. Schmidt's comment was to the whole class at one point. He said, uh, And Sal likes to Im- used to like to imitate him because he sounded like something like this. Say, Sal you are probably the worst painter I have ever seen. <laughs> and Risk is worse than you are. Because <laughs> I started to paint. <laughs> that was after I came down here.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And came back, and now I was painting that way too. And, so, <laughs> and we were so proud. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: funny. <laughs> we
0: thought that was quite a compliment. You know? <laughs> because we didn't agree with the approach that was going on in the class for doing portraits. and mm-hmm. We were doing mainly from the figure and, mm-hmm. and so on. So that so then I came to I came to Providence as a result of that, studied with Henry Henchy, uh along with Sal and uh, Syro was in the class, Kazi, and a whole group of others that uh, Charlie Cooper, Dan Bernstein, uh, that some people may remember. Uh, who are, Charlie Cooper's not here now, but uh, neither is Dan Bernstein, but they're still alive, in painting elsewhere, and. Uh, couple of years with Henry Henshey and then I stayed. I didn't uh oh well I say I stayed. Met Grace here. We we got married in New York. I spent two winters in New York after I met Grace. And then decided to stay here through through the winter after that and not not leave.
1: How did you manage to make a living?
0: It was very hard <clears throat> because we didn't have any money. That's which was not uncommon.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> you know join the group.
0: Yeah right join the group and uh Oh, the first summer. Well, we made it known at uh, at our wedding that, that we weren't we didn't want any presents. We wanted money. Right. <laughs> so we got a little money, and with and Grace was making jewelry at the time. Uh, it was uh, putting beads together and and using beach stones and, and copper wire and so on. And so we rented a little shop in the summer. Uh, across from what was Pablo's at the time, it's right next to Spiritus Pizza. It was a seller shop. Mm-hmm. And we fixed it up and uh, sold Grace's jewelry and put my paintings up on the walls. And then we started to pick up other other people's pottery and so on. So for eight summers, we had this shop. In fact, we had two of them eventually. Uh, Each year I said, you know, this is the last year. Uh, We need it. But when spring came, we were broke. (laughs) <laughs> again,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. So we we went <laughs> back, back into the, the back into the shop, you know, and, and the shop kept getting bigger and bigger, and we were doing better and better. And, it, and I could see where I, it it was only a three month thing, but it got so that it was stretching out. it Got to be four months, five mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I said, Grace, I'm a painter. I I can't we can't do this all our lives. I said, we're not shopkeepers, even though it's going well. I said if we don't make a certain amount of money this year, and I put a high you know, I said, then we're going to get out. But we made that amount of money, but we got out anyway. <laughs> I said, that's it. We closed the door, got out. And uh, I said, I'll sell paintings, even though I didn't have any prospects at the time. I mean, I sold a painting here, and painting there, out of the shop. I did some portraits. I was doing portraits at the time. Uh, but, you know, that was enough to get by on. But in the winter, like a lot of the painters around here, we became carpenters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: House painters, uh, whatever was available. Mm-hmm. We worked building the main wharf down here, you know. With a, we claimed we were carpenters. <laughs> mm-hmm. We had all the tools and we could do, you know, we could hammer and saw and, and, and do that sort of thing, but we weren't professional carpenters. Although we did some pretty major projects uh, together. Sal and I and Cyril and, and others uh, did some big projects uh, uh, and, uh, because we learned as we went along. But I worked for Ciro for, uh, as a spaghetti cook for three summers, but it was supposed to only be one summer. <laughs> <laughs> then I was broke again in the <laughs> spring, so I went back, and then I was broke again, so I went back. Finally, the fourth summer, I said, Ciro, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I said, that's it. I'm not going <laughs> to... I said, I left one business, I'm back in another one. Everyone said, how are you going to make a living? I said, well, I'll sell paintings. They said, but you don't have, you're not selling that many now because you don't have the connections or the following. I said, well, I, 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 all I need is faith. <laughs> mm-hmm. I said, if I have enough faith, I'll sell paintings. <laughs> Interest, that was an interesting summer because, uh, oh, I was teaching at the time. While I was working for Ciro, I started classes uh, at the at the West End. Yeah, you I had rent,
1: a little school, right? I uh, rented,
0: yeah, I rented mm-hmm. the f- first floor of a building. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, And started teaching. Right
1: near Flyers, was it? Or on the corner there? Right
0: near Flyers across from Sal's Place. Mm
1: -hmm. uh, Yeah. Remember the sign?
0: And that building was empty on the first floor. It was one, used to be a gallery. It used to be originally Siemens Bank way back. Uh, It had a 10 foot ceiling in it, so it was good for a studio. And and I had a good class, and I had night drawing classes as well. Those were open classes, and uh, they were filled Mm. all the time. Mm. Uh, and I had a full class in the, during the summer. But again, uh, my painting was getting bigger and bigger, and I was getting more and more abstract. And this studio, as you can see, is kind of neat, and, uh, and it wasn't this filled up at the time, but I still didn't feel I wanted to throw paint around uh, on the abstract paintings. I was working flat. So I said, I need that studio, <laughs> and I shouldn't be teaching it. I should be painting in it. And so mm-hmm. I had two studios. Mm-hmm. Until recently,
1: mm-hmm.
0: when the building's been condemned, so I no longer have. Oh that. Boy. I no longer have that studio. I just, I just have this one. So it worked out well that I've changed style painting. So I'm painting now vertically on an easel because mm-hmm. I don't need the space. I see. To paint in that I needed before when I worked flat, and, mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that was an interesting summer. I said because I said it was a question of faith. And I didn't have the faith. And now I was going to have the faith. And without any advertising, people were knocking on my door, saying, do you sell paintings? <laughs> you know, to my surprise.
1: They just came, you mean, out of nowhere. At least one or
0: two couples a day. Every day, one or two couples. How
1: did they hear about you?
0: Well, because I did have a school sign-up. Because okay. I was still teaching. Okay. You know. uh, but now I wasn't teaching full-time. I was only giving criticism classes I, mm-hmm. uh, to anyone who wanted to come, bring their work to my studio here. And I would give, or bring it down there, and I'd give them a criticism class, but I didn't want to be tied up. And I, found, so they'd, they'd say, you're selling paintings? And in those days, we had a different crowd. The, uh, the type of people we had then, I contend, were not the same type of people we have now. Those were people who wanted to meet the artist, I learned. Yeah. Learn. yeah. Uh, they, made an, uh, they made a cultural uh, uh, experience out of their vacation. Wow. And part of it was look at paintings, find artists and look at their studios, talk to artists and buy, buy a painting, as well as go to and buy them in galleries. And so I found that I was selling an average of at least one painting a day Whew. with, and, and, and I never sold, I wasn't selling anything out of my studio previously to this, see. One painting a day. Finally, all my friends were keeping score. <laughs> you know, how many did you sell today? Well, I didn't sell any today, but I sold two yesterday. <laughs> you know? The summer ended, I think, uh, in three-month period, we sold 44 paintings. Wow.
1: These were uh, in your abstract period?
0: Uh, no, this was a mix okay. at that time. I was still doing uh, landscapes and wasn't doing any portraiture. But I was doing I would do a landscape and occasional still life, uh, and, uh, and it was about 50-50. So I was selling a little of each, you know, so on. And I was selling big paintings, small paintings, and uh, it taught me, because I'd, I'd learned before that that it was really a question of faith, uh, belief that this will happen, and uh, therefore it happened. <laughs> and, uh, and whenever I... Because the interesting thing was I did have a gallery in the winter, even when I worked for Ciro. I was in the Shaw Gallery in Boston.
1: That was a big uh, gallery.
0: And that was an important gallery yeah, here in Provincetown. And, uh, they were in, and they were in Boston, on Newbury Street, right on the first floor. Sure. And I had a show with them. I don't know if we showed every year or every other year, because in other galleries I showed every other year. I think we showed with them every year. And we sold in the wintertime then. Uh, but as soon as we started working in the restaurant, the sales stopped. In other words, any time I made money somewhere else... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't make it from painting.
1: The gods were telling you, right. <laughs> They're
0: telling me you're gonna make money there, fine, we're not gonna give it to you here, you know.
1: <laughs> that is a riot. <laughs> there
0: was a riot and as soon as whatever I wasn't making any money anywhere else I could turn to Grace and I'd say, Okay, well I get will it'll start coming in now, you know? And uh, and that's been pretty much how, how it's been with me. And and if I may, and if I do very well, you can be sure that uh it'll stop. Till I use up some of the money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The governor on it, huh? Yeah, when
0: the money starts running, and I I think that has to do with my own belief system. Uh Uh, I started that belief system, I think, when I was very young, because I had, uh, I was reading the wrong books, maybe, but but the books I was telling me were telling me that, you know, you shouldn't be greedy, uh, you Uh should uh, be satisfied to have enough in Uh life, uh, that uh, being, you know, having an excess of money was not necessarily a good thing. Uh And so my attitude was that all I really wanted was enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, to get by on, and so on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, that I think that got pretty much ingrained into my subconscious. Mm-hmm. So that no matter how much I think in terms of getting rich, it's pretty hard to get rid of that other idea that if I have enough, it's good enough. <laughs> that it doesn't it's have to be...
1: It's interesting. I sympathize with what you're saying, too, because uh, too much is too much.
0: <laughs> well, in, in, you know, every now it. and then I think you know it would be nice to have too much, but I don't know whether that would ruin my life or not. I also, you know, we're talking about the gods. You know, this is uh, uh, some people believe in this, and I don't mean in God, but I mean in mm-hmm. this whole idea mm-hmm. of projecting a divine
1: spirit. Uh, yeah, of some projecting
0: kind. Like, as if someone is looking out, looking out for mm-hmm. you, or at least looking out for what you're thinking and and giving you what you prayed for. What mm-hmm. it amounts to, in a mm-hmm. sense, you know, you get what you prayed for, mm-hmm. and so be careful of what you pray for. <laughs> but. uh, uh it did seem to work out that way, that if I believed, really believed, then that would happen. And I, did, and I was um, maybe more gullible when I was younger, I believed more easily, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okay.
0: <laughs> you know, than I even do now. When I say I believed more easily, I can remember Grace saying to me, this may be beside the point, but I can remember Grace saying to me in New York when we were, uh, we were subletting someone's studio, it was a nice studio. She said, Ray, you know, um, I didn't have a job. I was trying to get some work, but uh, uh, I think we got s- some work a little later. The Christmas season started, and we, got, uh, we, we worked temporarily in the post office. Chabanian and I, I don't know if you remember. Ch- uh, oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. He and I here worked on, in the... Po- yeah, we worked. the
0: he comes from Providence, too. We all came together.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: We all came together <laughs> from Providence. And, uh, and I've known him since he was, we were children. But uh, she said, Grace one day said to me, before we were, were doing any work, she said... Uh, she said, you know, Ray, uh, we've got a telephone bill coming, <laughs> or oh, we have it, and we, in those days of course things were much cheaper, But and uh, re- the rents due. and there was one other thing, and I forgot what that was, and she said, and I have enough money, and she had to go downtown for some reason, I have enough money to get downtown on the subway and back, and that's it. <laughs> that was completely it, <laughs> which meant... I think uh, subway was a nickel still. I hadn't changed to a dime. So she had a dime. She could get downtown and back, and that's all. And I said, and, and, and where it's coming from, you know, there really isn't a good reason to say this other than the fact that that's the way I used to think. I said, don't worry about it, honey. Uh, we will have the money, <laughs> you know.
1: That is a faith.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm sure she said... <laughs> she's been saying it up until today, from where... <laughs> Grace came home uh, later in the day and she said to me in a whisper, she said, you know, I found this envelope on the subway floor. And she (laughs) said, and I opened it. Oh, and the, the whole total that we needed was $90 in the envelope there was ninety dollars. Oh my
1: goodness.
0: And she said "It was ninety dollars in the envelope, and there wasn't any name on it, and I stood there holding it in my hand for the longest time as people walked by.
1: Oh my. And
0: so on. I couldn't ask somebody it was theirs because they'd say yes and take it, you know, because yeah. there wasn't any name on it. And she said no, so I brought it home. You know? And I said, didn't I tell you?
1: Oh, that. That's an amazing story.
0: Yeah, and that's happened over and over, you know. I'd say, didn't I tell you? Why do you worry? <laughs>
1: Were you brought up with a particular faith? Your your origins are, you said, uh, Lebanese?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. My, my people came from Lebanon,
1: mm-hmm.
0: from a village in, in Lebanon. And uh, I was born in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And they were Christians.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I can't claim to be anything in particular because I got interested in every religion.
1: Aha! Uh-huh, sure, you <laughs> went through them ball, all, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got interested in all of them and... Uh, a little from here and a little from there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And I was still interested in the. Mm-hmm.
1: Have you always had a certain um, uh, daily um, uh, r- r- practice uh, where you have certain hours when you paint?
0: Well, I, after I got married, my, my schedule began to change more and more, and that was due to Grace, who, who used to be in the theater. And so she uh, they you know performances took place at night, and they stayed up late and and uh, got up and slept in the morning and so I got into that routine and until f- all these years now we sleep all morning we don't go to we may I go to bed till three or four mm. uh, my painting is done in the afternoon mm-hmm. I may get up at eleven
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but it depends on what time I went to bed i'm I'm going to get enough sleep, so whatever time I go to bed is going to determine what time i'm going to get up. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got, I got so that I enjoyed, especially when I was doing abstract work, I didn't need the light so much. Mm-hmm. I could use electric light. And, and I liked working in the evening. And I liked working in the afternoon as well. So I've done, and I still do that. I still work all through the afternoon. Uh, and in the evening these days, I don't paint so much anymore. But there's so many other things that have to be done related to painting, preparing for, for the next painting that, okay. uh, that I don't need to paint day and, and night. hmm so that's, that's, that's our schedule, and I do that seven days a week.
1: Really? Is there, um, uh, can you sleep in the morning? Because it must be racket out here. You live well, no, it is, it's the,
0: been quiet. You live uh, near the restaurant? Yeah, because the restaurant isn't active.
1: In the morning. In the morning. Ah, the morning. that's right.
0: No, and it, and doesn't get, no, it really doesn't get uh, active until that night, and right. so the noise that takes place isn't that bad. Right. That, uh, it might disturb me if I was asleep, I don't know, but... Uh, I mean, I've taken naps at uh, 8 o'clock at night if I felt like it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the noise coming from there was not that bad. Mm-hmm. They're just far enough away.
1: Sure. And uh, there's uh, stuff in between. Yeah, well, uh, in, the, in the old days,
0: they used to play the music too loud. But then, uh-huh. uh, since I knew them well, I could walk in there and turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even ask. I just said the music's too loud and I turned it down, <laughs> turned it down. <laughs> uh,
1: just for our audience, uh, uh, Romatus lives near uh, Ciro's and Sal's restaurant. Is it just called, is it called Ciro's now only?
0: No, it's still still and Sal's.
1: And Cyril and Sal were painters, as you've mentioned. And yeah, they, and they started a little. And love. Sal
0: painted all, all his life, as yeah. well as ran a restaurant.
1: Although we don't see him his work anymore, is he showing at all?
0: Well, uh, he did have an exhibition recently, as you may know, out at uh, uh, out at your place.
1: At Casa Saldel. Sal, Sal'd but him. not Ciro. Oh, not you, Ciro.
0: you I thought you said Sal. Uh, uh, no, well, Ciro hasn't been working, yeah. at least not steadily. Yeah. Right. If he's been working, it's been spasmatic. Yeah. Uh, he's been threatening uh, for some time now. He built. <laughs> he has. Re, he has built a studio on the top floor of his house. Yeah. <laughs> all ready to go.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> you know. And. Uh,
1: he's also got a real sense for sculpture. Oh he's, yeah, he's he was done good. some wonderful. Sculpture. He was a
0: very good sculptor.
1: So, uh, he was a very good
0: sculptor, he was a very good painter.
1: That's someone who didn't listen to your muse, who's, uh, you know, which told you to get out of the business
0: well, you know, and get to work. I'll tell you, people are, have different circumstances. See, mm-hmm. I I don't know what I would have done and whether, I, and whether things would have worked out for me just as well if I'd had children, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Sal had children, Cyril had children. They had obligations <coughs> that I didn't have. And uh, so this drove them into doing whatever they did. People do what you have to, you know, and so I mean the, the opening of restaurants. Sure. Uh, on the other hand, maybe with my, the faith that I had, even with children, I might have made a little more money
1: <laughs> <laughs> to
0: cover that, you know, and so sure. on. But, uh, but I, I, I don't know just how it would have gone. So I don't, you know, I, I can't criticize other people for what they do. Right, right. Uh, I know Sal would have liked to have painted all the time, I mean during the summer, and not right. have had to spend it
1: in the restaurant. In the right.
0: restaurant, maybe, even though he loves to cook. Right, right. Sure. I love to cook, too. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you necessarily want to cook that much, you know, as they do in a restaurant. You
1: have seen many, many changes here in Provincetown. Oh, yeah. What, what do you think? Uh... When I first
0: came to Provincetown, I've told the story before, I guess in my first or second year. I was talking to someone that I'd met on the street in the center of town where the New York store was. And I don't remember who that was, but I said to the, I was telling them, uh, maybe they'd asked me the question or something, I told them, this is such a beautiful place, and, and uh, I'm, I'm making it my home, and, uh, and I went on and on about how wonderful it was. He said, well, you should have seen it 15 years ago.
1: <laughs>
0: well, it was really nice. <laughs> and this yeah. was back in the 1950s. I, bet, <laughs> I know? Bet, yeah. So you should have seen it then, you know. Well, I guess it's still
1: a wonderful place. Yeah
0: but it certainly isn't the place of 1950. No. And maybe it wasn't the place of 15 years before that either. Mm-hmm. But uh, where did you come to uh, this area?
1: Oh, actually, my family had a summer home all my life down in uh, East End. Right. But I didn't get to know this area until probably the 1960s.
0: Yeah. Well, I see, the, the one of the things that tells you that there's been a great change here is something that used to be said many years ago that isn't said today. Tourists c- constantly said when they came here for the first time is that this doesn't look like the United States. Mm-hmm. This seems like places I've traveled in in Europe, uh-huh. in Paris uh, and so on. and Not in Paris, in, uh, mm-hmm. fr- in France, France and, and, yeah. and so maybe. on. Italy, maybe. In Italy and whatever. It does not look like the United States. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is you had big fishing village, Mm -hmm. I mean big fishing, it looked like a fishing village, Mm -hmm. that was the whole thing. It looked like a fishing village with these little white houses, with their gardens out in front, with plenty of space between the houses so the whole bay showed as you went down Commercial Mm -hmm. Street. It wasn't all filled in. And all those boats out there and and Mm -hmm. so on, uh, and there weren't as many tourists and the shops were not, uh, you know, there weren't the the size of the shops and so on and so forth. So uh, it was a little fishing village and had that kind of charm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't have that kind of charm anymore. It's not a charming place. It's an unusual place, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and, and nature around us is beautiful. Um, but uh, everything has grown more commercial, naturally, as it has everywhere else. And uh, for some, and in some ways, that you know, it's been interesting for tourists who come here. But in other ways, uh, nature—the the naturalness of uh, of the world—changes with that kind of commercialism that uh, takes place. And now, I now we, now that uh, Land Bank didn't get in, so
1: yeah, <laughs> if that they'll do something else, I'm sure. Actually, yeah, they probably you, Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Land Bank vote uh, lost uh, 45 percent uh, to 55 percent, yeah. I guess. And uh, but it was interesting. All the Outer Cape. Towns voted for it. Oh, they did. Orleans, East yeah, Hamwell, Churo, and uh, Providence voted for it. It mm-hmm. was down in the the Barnesville area where they have, of course, much more voters, mm-hmm. and where commercialism and real estateism is really big and strong. Yeah, yeah, and
0: developing. That's, this that's where
1: you, they lost it because they right. totaled the whole thing. Every, you know, it wasn't like mm-hmm. one town. Yeah, yeah right. They
0: totaled the whole thing. It. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's um, they'll they'll probably go for some other plan. Mm-hmm.
0: And of course, some of the changes uh, that we've had, we went through uh, when I was when I came here, we had a whole group of people known as Bohemians
1: mm-hmm. that were,
0: that came here. Mm-hmm. These consisted of painters, writers, um, some were in the theater, and, and so mm-hmm. on. They were called Bohemians because they they dressed uh, differently from everyone else, uh, which today you. They w- they wouldn't even you wouldn't even notice them,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> if yeah. They
0: were because everybody dresses <laughs> sure in every possible manner you know that there yeah. is. Yeah. But in those days, people pretty much uh, dressed the same way. And if you had a beard, you were unusual. If you had long hair, you were unusual. These were all traits of Bohemians. Mm-hmm. It Was either partial beard or beard or a, if you had a, an earring in your ear, this was another trait of a Bohemian. Might have mm-hmm. an earring in his ear. If you wore dungarees,
1: <laughs> that yeah. was...
0: Uh, that was unusual, you know. Sure. And unless you were a cowboy out west, you didn't wear that around.
1: What was the attitude of the Portuguese fishermen towards the artists that, that you I sensed? Never
0: felt anything but friend, French friendliness uh-huh. uh, towards them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and From them, at any time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: at any time. Because those were very generous days too. They they fed us fish mm. uh, because there was plenty of fish. Mm. And, we didn't, and therefore we didn't mind uh, asking for it. Right. We'd go down with a pail to the, uh, I mean, in our first years here, that's what we lived on, uh, when we artists lived together in a, you know, when the, when five or six of us lived together in a, in a single uh, living quarters, and uh, if we didn't go down with a bucket to the wharf and have them fill it with fish, we didn't have anything to eat. <laughs> <It's>
1: amazing, <laughs> you know? sure.
0: That's how much... And how then the, you'd
1: go down when they were unloading, they just throw it Yeah, you, the boats would
0: be coming in, and we put to set the bucket down. You didn't ask for it. You just put your bucket down. I have a pail, and they'd be shoveling fish with a pitch, p- p- pitchfork.
1: Send one in your direction, huh?
0: Fill the bucket, and you'd say thank you very much, and and leave. Yeah. And you had a whole bucket of fish with yeah know, whatever it was they were bringing in uh, at that particular. Was point
1: there point. any exchange? Did you ever give them a drawing or anything? Or no. Probably they didn't. I mean, we didn't
0: even. I didn't even know them really. I mean, no. I didn't know them personally. Right. Uh, some of the artists may have gotten to know, you know, especially many of the older artists knew mm-hmm. them all. Mm-hmm. They knew Manny Zora, and they knew the, you know, they knew the uh, Rodericks on the Jimmy Boy, and sure. so we got to, I got to know them later. But in those yeah. first couple of years, we didn't know them. We were new here,
1: right.
0: and uh, they didn't know us. We would they just we, you know anybody who came with a bucket, was going to get fish.
1: Ray, uh, believe it or not, a half an hour has gone by, and um, we're going to continue this, I hope. Uh, In the meantime, uh, we've been talking today on The Sands of Time with uh, painter Romanus Risk of Provincetown and getting a feeling of the days when he uh, came here as a young painter, and uh, he's been here ever since. The Sands of Time is a program of oral history in which we uh, interview our fascinating neighbors. Your host today has been Joyce Johnson. Thank you for being with us.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode from the archives of Joyce Johnson. Although some of the material may have been dated, we here at WOMR think it's important to continue to share it with our listeners.